Father God, as we sometimes sing, speak, O Lord, as we come to you to receive the food of your holy word. Take your truth, plant it deep in us, shape and fashion us in your likeness, that the light of Christ might be seen today in our acts of love and our deeds of faith. Speak, O Lord, and fulfil in us all your purposes for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. What do people look for in the person that they marry? A few things might include someone who's loving and trustworthy, faithful and kind and patient, and a believer, someone who's gorgeous. I'm pleased to say I found all these qualities and many more in Becky and the fact that she's still putting up with me 32 years later means that uh, hopefully she's found some of these qualities in me too. But contrast all that with the experience of Hosea. We're on page 1040, by the way, so do turn to it and we'll look at that and unpack it together. We see God prompting Hosea to find, interestingly, an adulterous wife. Wife who'd be mother of the children of unfaithfulness. That seems very strange partly to our modern ears and also partly because the Bible itself says elsewhere that we should look for better qualities. So why is this in the Bible at all? It's always a good question to ask. We don't have to look very far in this passage for the answer. Verse 2 of Hosea chapter 1 gives the answer. God gives his reason. Hosea's marriage to Gomer is going to be a symbol of Israel's unfaithfulness in departing from God. The God who'd helped them escape from Egypt, the God who helped them into the promised land, the land of milk and honey and so on. Even though God did all of that, Israel neglected him and chose to run after other gods. The picture on the screen illustrates something of this, uh, this quality of unfaithfulness. Uh, a woman who's seeming to uh, hug one man, but in the meantime, surreptitiously holding hands with another. Gomer embodied this quality, and Hosea's marriage to her was a, a way of mirroring his message in his experience. Hosea was prophesying for 30 years or so in the 700s BC, at a time when other prophets were doing similar things. Isaiah, who was uh, prophesying in the south when uh, Hosea was prophesying in the north, uh, in chapter 20 of Isaiah we read that he stripped. Or a bit later, when some of the consequences of this had started to bite, um, then we find Jeremiah, uh, shortly before the exile, buying a field in chapter 32 of his book, so there's a sense that actually it's going to be worthwhile him buying that field because there's going to be something to come back to. People were going to come back. In Jewish tradition, names were often significant and probably for us as Christians, the best known example is Jesus. The word means God saves. Nine months before Jesus was even born, the angel Gabriel uh, turns to Mary and uh, tells her very clearly 
that she should call her son Jesus when the time would come. Another example was just the name Israel itself. I suppose that the word, when when God gave that name Israel uh, to Jacob, that name just means struggles with God. And a lot of the Bible is about unpacking different aspects of this struggle with God that is in the nation Israel. Jezreel, the uh, the first child of Hosea and Goma, is actually a very similar word, but more specifically, it refers specifically to this place uh, shown on the screen. Uh, the valley of Jezreel is just below Mount Carmel. It's where Elijah confronted the prophets of Baal. Or Mount Carmel is, is that place, and just below that, uh, is this 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 valley of Jezreel in two kings nine and ten uh, the valley of Jezreel is the place where uh, Jehu slaughtered those who deposed Elijah and so Jezreel was a reminder of a lot of bloodshed of something really grim Gomer's other children too were given symbolic names look at verse six the daughter Lobu Hama what does that mean that means not loved. Verse 8 and 9, the son, Lo-Ami. What does that mean? Not my people. How tragic, how heartbreaking to have such a name. And how tragic that Israel was like this. The names, of course, are not just examples of cruelty to children by giving them an awful name. But the names are symbolic of something much wider Note also that Goma, uh, the text says that Goma is the mother of Lo-Ruhama and Lo-Ami. It's not actually clear whether Hosea is the natural father or not. So the names Lo-Ruhama and Lo-Ami are symbolic of much more. They're symbolic of Israel turning their backs on God. A bit like the picture on the screen that I've got there. That there's a couple with their backs turned to each other, very firmly turned away. In verses 6 and 7, we read this. I will no longer show love to the house of Israel that I should at all forgive them. Yet I will show love to the house of Judah. That's rather strange. But this is not about Uh, some sort of unhealthy favoritism between children. This is about relationship with God that Israel and Judah chose. A quick recap, of course, on the two kingdoms. Um, Israel is the northern kingdom where there's ten tribes have settled. Judah is the southern kingdom where there's two tribes have settled. And uh, they were all together in a united kingdom under David and Solomon and so on. But that kingdom split in the 900s and Israel went off the rails in a lot of ways. And uh, there's plenty of examples of those in Kings and Chronicles so you might want to look up. Uh, And Israel, the northern kingdom, fell in the 700s. Judah stayed on the rails a bit longer. uh, But eventually, of course, they blew it and uh, they were carted off into exile in Babylon in the 500s. That was their exile. Hosea's relationship with Gomer is symbolic of Israel and 
that actually that word Israel is sometimes taken as umbrella to include both Israel and Judah as well. But uh, Hosea's relationship with Gomer is symbolic of Israel wandering off. Uh, and the restoration of um, Hosea's marriage to Gomer in chapter 3 is symbolic of God's unstoppable covenant love. His has said, God loving the unlovely. That's why I chose those four words to summarize our message today. God loving the unlovely. You could summarize the whole of Hosea's book with those four words. God loves the unlovely. God wants to restore things even when people wander away from him. I don't want to just keep this as an interesting history lesson about what was happening with Israel and Judah and so on. Uh, I want to ask, what about you today? How do you, in relation to God, are you like this somehow, wandering away, needing to come back? If so, remember, God wants you back. That's the quality of his love. Now, this picture that uh, is on the screen now is um, uh, of Sandbanks Beach, and it's not chosen because uh, just just because we live near a great beach, although we do. It is chosen because of the word picture in verse 10. I'll read it. The Israelites will be like the sand on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted. So, despite the defeat of the northern kingdom in the 700s and later on the defeat of the southern kingdom in the 500s, there'll be something better in store in the future. Like the other prophets, of course, Hosea is pointing forward to Jesus. Jesus fulfills over 300 of the Old Testament prophetic promises. We've thought about some of that over the last few weeks. In Advent, we thought about how that those things were pointing forward to Jesus, uh, his first coming, and beyond to his second. And at Christmas, we talked about Jesus being the light in the darkness. Uh, we read from Isaiah's book things like the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. We read in John's book uh, things like um, uh, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness hasn't understood it or can't overcome it. Light changes things. In a couple of weeks, we've got uh, uh, the light up the dark event happening on the Saturday evening. Light changes things. We'll be thinking and reflecting about that just then. The image on the screen shows something of how um, Hosea ends his first chapter. The people of Judah and the people of Israel will be reunited. Great will be the day. Great will be the day when broken relationships are restored. Like other prophets, Hosea wrote on multiple different levels. Of course, he's writing partly about the future of Israel and Judah, yes. He's writing partly about his own relationship, his own marriage to Gomer, yes. We've seen how symbolic that is and how that's restored in chapter 3. But even more important than either of these, he's looking further ahead 
he's looking further ahead to Jesus and how broken relationships can be restored by him and in him. So I want to end with this. It's probably for many of us, it's a familiar image. I love the bridge illustration to explain the cross of Christ. On one side of the bridge, you've got um, us. Um, yeah, and then there's a great chasm, the chasm of sin, all the stuff we do wrong to separate us from God. On the other side, you've got God. Um, and then the cross of Christ is the bridge that enables us to get from one side to the other side. At St John's, we sometimes set this up in 3D in the chancel when school groups visit just before Good Friday and Easter. And uh, even now, you can see, if you, if you wander up into the chancel, you can see some of those, uh, the, those where, where the duct tape's gone down and you can see the lines where we've yeah, started off with the kids on one side and ended up with the kids on the other side and, they, and the, the width between them is exactly matches the width of the cross if you go into the heavens room that you'll find in there. So we set that up in 3D. Separation from God is a bit like a man and a woman turning their backs on each other, like in that earlier picture. And the bridge is the way back into loving relationship. That's the wonderful good news of Jesus. The cross of Christ is our bridge to God, so that we can have a restored relationship with him. And Hosea points forward to God loving the unlovely, just like that. That is such good news. So let's pray. Lord, thank you that you do love the unlovely. Thank you that you uh, you make that bridge. Lord, we're sorry for the time when we go wandering off and we turn our, our backs on you. We pray, please, that you will help us to take those steps across that bridge, but also to thrive living on your side. Uh, we ask all of that in Jesus' name. Amen.